Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode is brought to you by Witham. Witham is a forward-thinking, technology-driven advisory and accounting firm committed to helping companies be more profitable, efficient, and productive in today's complex business environment. Witham's dedicated Femtech team is proud to partner with the members of the Femtech community. Get to know their team at witham.com backslash femtech. Okay, Fem fans, in today's episode, I interview myself. Just kidding. It's our end of year review episode. I'll tell you about the biggest events that happened this year in 2021 in women's health innovation. And I'll tell you about my predictions for 2022. We'll go over changes and growth spurts in the industry. And we'll have a list of major influencers and things that I'm excited to see come out in the new year. I'd love to hear your feedback on my analysis of 2021 and what you think is going to happen in 2022. And if it lines up with any of my predictions, hit me up on social at Femtech Focus. Enjoy. Oh, hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the end of year review. It's my favorite time of year to, uh, Tell everybody what happened in Femtech in 2021 and what are our predictions for Femtech Tech for 2022. Um, I think I'm live on the Instagrams and the Facebooks, so I think we're good to go. Let me see, pull up my notes here. So let's just dive into it because I have essentially an hour to tell you everything that happened in a huge year for our industry and tell you about my predictions for next year. So let's get it going. Overview for the year. First of all, let me talk about what Femtech Focus accomplished this year and some of our big news for next year. First, we published the landscape report. So previously, people were quoting Femtech Women's Health Innovation as a $50 billion market. Now, that was quite confusing because we also knew that the femcare industry, so tampons and pads, is worth $35 billion. So all of women's health be worth being worth $50 billion, it just kind of didn't make sense. Also, last year, there was an article that menopause was a $600 billion market. So it was just all over the board. So this year, we really needed to narrow it down. And what we did at Femtech Focus was we looked at all of the major health conditions, and we narrowed it down to 125 of them, 125 health conditions that humans experience, things that are only for women, so like menstruation, but things also that disproportionately affect women, like migraines or autoimmune disease, chronic pain. What we did was we took primary research and found out the market size for each of those conditions. And then we timesed it by the proportion of how many people inflicted with that illness are female. Sometimes that's 100%. Sometimes it was 40%. Sometimes it was 80%. So again, peer-reviewed statistics on how much of that 
uh, disease affects females versus males. And then we took that market size, added that all up, and we came up to a $1.1 trillion market. Now that is, um, you know, again, all peer reviewed. In fact, a lot of, uh, it's probably a much larger number because the, <laughs> there was so many subsections of health, specifically female health, that there wasn't even market research done yet. So it's probably much bigger. We, this is the conservative market size of $1.1 trillion. I am proud to say that we then got um, exclusive partnership with Crunchbase and we did get an article in Crunchbase and we do have a, a quarterly partnership to continue to publish research with them. And uh, I loved the article title. It was uh, Femtech officially not niche by $1 trillion. Oh, that was awesome. So this year, Femtech Focus, we published that landscape report. We calculated the market size. Our database currently sits at 872 active Femtech startups, the largest Femtech database in the world, and 106 Femtech exits. We hit 148 episodes on our podcast. This year, we did decrease from twice a week to once a week. Oh my gosh. If any of you out there feeling burnt out, give your self a break. And um, when I realized that, like, wait, who's telling me I need to do two episodes a week? I realized it was just me. Uh, and then I went to one episode a week and no one seemed to be upset about that. So uh, if you are pushing yourself to the edge, ask yourself who's pushing you there, because sometimes it's just you and you need to give yourself permission to tone it down a notch. And so you can uh, engage in other things that are worthwhile and uh, impactful. So for me, it was decreasing our podcast from two episodes to one episode a week. We did gain over 40,000 new listeners. So I, I, it's something crazy, like a thousand percent growth. Um, really, really excited. We have listeners in 109 countries now. Um, really, really awesome. This year, we also had a summit, a Femtech virtual summit in March of this year. Seems like not this year, but it was definitely 2021. Um, and that was celebrating our 100th podcast episode. We're currently at 148. Uh, we ran a series of Femtech Fundamentals, which were workshops on uh, women's health and growing your business in women's health. We started Founder Office Hours. I met with over 100 founders from around the world. That is some of my favorite time I spent this year. We also launched a book club with Karen Wells and Susan Stover. Thanks, ladies. You are totally rocking our book club. It's the last Wednesday of every month we meet. And on average, we have about like 30 people that show up. And it's just really, really cool to uh, a lot of times the author of the book actually comes and we talk about like what we read. And it, it's been a really fun, uh, small engagement, virtual engagement. So some big announcements for next year I'm very excited about for Femtech Focus. The first is we are launching a jobs board. So I am inundated with people saying, I want to work in Femtech or people saying, I just got funding in Femtech. I need to hire people. And I cannot be this, uh, <laughs> the center point of this, this chaos that is activity in the industry. And so we are launching a digital jobs board for people to post job openings and folks to look for jobs in women's health. And I'm so excited about that. Uh, we are launching that uh, in the next few weeks, along with a jobs fair in March 2022. So stay tuned for our jobs fair, Femtech jobs fair, the first one I think of ever. I don't know if anyone's ever done a Femtech jobs fair. So it's super exciting. 
We are also number two, migrating our virtual community from Mighty Networks to Circle. So Circle is a different type of virtual background network. I think it's going to be more engaging for us. So I'm really excited about that. If you are one of our 2000 Femtech members of our virtual community, get ready. You'll get some notifications about we're merging you over to our new platform that I think you're really going to like. Um, in that platform, we're going to have the jobs board. We're going to have the databases of companies and exits, and um, you're going to be more easily able to collaborate with your peers in our community. Uh, last but not least, I'm very excited for next year. We are offering a corporate offering. So a lot of large enterprise companies are getting interested in femtech, and they need that data. They need to understand like really what's happening. And so Femtech Focus is really excited to offer um, essentially like a monthly report to corporations. So if you're a corporate, like, wait, what? Hold up. Either reach out um, or you'll be you'll be uh, seeing more information about that soon. So those are just some uh, overview of Femtech Focus from this year and some big things for next year. Very excited about them. Now let's jump into industry in general. So outside of Femtech Focus. So Femtech industry in general. What were some of the bigger shifts that I saw? Well, first I saw that people actually know what Femtech is now. Um, the amount of times that I have to correct somebody that I didn't say Fintech and that I'm not meaning female founder has dramatically decreased. Now it's still present. I still, especially the female founder part, people are grasping the women's health part, hearing me say femtech, but they also still think that means female founder. So that is still a, lear a learning um, you know, gap, I guess, of progress in learning because a lot of people think because the majority of our founders are female that we're only for female founders and is absolutely not true. So People know what Femtech is, and I would like to think that Femtech Focus had a part in that. One of our major pillars is awareness, both internally, so we stop creating the same organic tampons, uh, but also externally, so people know what we're doing and why it's important. And so I think we've really, really excelled at that this year. So um, not just Femtech Focus, but all the other organizations and other people getting on board, media starting to publish our articles and all the startups getting funding. And so it's very exciting. I'm really excited that, you know, external awareness is on the rise. You can also see this happening because major organizations are hosting Femtech events. Plug and Play, one of their quarterly webinars this year was about Femtech. Uh, Techstars, David Cohen, he has a podcast called Give First, and he featured me talking about Femtech. Um, CES, the, the conference, they had a Women's Health Award specifically. I don't know who won yet. That's coming out uh, in January is their conference. But just seeing major conferences like them saying they even have a specific designation for women's health is awesome. We've seen articles in Crunchbase, uh, events at Austin Startup Week, General Assembly. So a lot of big players doing femtech events. That means it's becoming mainstream, which is awesome and what we want. Um, a lot of comments about the industry being niche are decreasing. Definitely still present. Um, I know that I meet with some investors that still, you know, um, say, well, that's a, you know, they, they imply that it's a small market. And so, but it's still, it's decreasing. Whereas before it was like, 
I was correcting everyone. Now it's like, I only correct like 10 to 20% of people. So that is awesome. Um, some other big trends this year, there was a lot of femtech graduates from Y Combinator. Um, and I'm gonna actually, it's the next thing I want to talk about is there's some danger to all these big players coming in. Um, so let me just dive into that right now. One of the big shifts I'm seeing is a lot of new players in this space. Um, a lot of new players, a lot of players that already exist that are just um, now including a femtech angle. This is very, very exciting and good for our industry, but there is risk. There is risk of these organizations doing it because it's hot and it's trendy um, and not necessarily being experts in the industry. And so um, if you are not a femtech expert, if your organization does not have a femtech expert, there are a, a good handful of us. And if you need a list, I can give it to you. Hire us. Hire us on a, on a retainer basis, on an equity basis, on part-time, you know, project basis or whatever, because what I'm seeing happen is things like, and I'm going to call you out Y Combinator, you're big enough, you're not going to get hurt by my little comment, but there was a bunch of femtech companies in their cohort that were not that innovative. They were like, uh, just, and I don't, I'm not going to say names, but there were some things in, in that cohort that I was like, that is not the first and it's not the only company addressing this issue. And if it were up to me, that's not the one I would pick to be a YC graduate because YC graduates almost guarantee that their valuation is four times bigger than it should be. And they fundraise so quickly and they close so quickly with really big named investors. And now everyone's all in a frenzy. And I'm like, if we're going to get in a frenzy, it should be about products that are truly changing the game for women's health and not these um, minorly improved solutions. So um, if you're at YC, if you're, um, you know, a large company that wants to do a conference, if you are um, an investor that usually does healthcare, but you now you want to do women's health a little bit more, please, please, please reach out to some bigger names in the femtech industry. So myself, um, Milena and Danielle from Madami, previously Menstrual Health Hub, reach out to Christina and Wendy at The Case for Her, reach out to Jessica Carr at Coyote. We will help you. Maria from Women of Wearables. We will help direct you in terms of what products are really changing the game and which ones are just, just one of one of a million. So um, that is a danger we have. Another danger we have is people coming in and trying to redefine what we have established as femtech. So this year we saw a little bit of people starting to talk about beauty and cosmetics as part of femtech. Um, Y'all know if you listen to my show, I'm pretty opinionated. And I tried to shut that shit down as quickly as I could because if you're going to try to compare mascara and hold it up next to uterine fibroids, Honestly, I see that as an insult to women. I see, I do see the the promise in putting sexual wellness products in the cosmetic aisles or the health and beauty aisles. And that being the way that large corporations like Target or Walmart or Bloomingdale's are going to start to integrate sexual wellness into their retail stores. I, I get that. That's awesome. But what I don't want is Maybelline's market size to become part of Femtech's market size. We, If we are inflating these numbers, the government and the investors of the world don't think we're going to need more resources. And the fact is that we need all of the resources. So 
Um, yeah, we, <laughs> we cannot be including cosmetics. It's an, it's an insult and it's dangerous to our industry. Um, so with that being said, some, some groups I'm a little weary of, uh, include femtech analytics. Um, I've caught mistakes in almost every, all, not almost every one of their reports. Just today, I was uh, looking at through their graphs and they had the wrong headshots for certain people that I know are really big in this industry. And it was like, you don't even have the right headshots for people. If you were actually in this industry, you'd know what they look like because we all do. We all know what she looks like. So why is this the wrong face? Um, or in their like top 10 funded femtech companies, they have Johnson and Johnson. It's like, what? Or one of their top 10, uh, <laughs> exited companies was flex. Flex is not exited yet. FLEX is a NASDAQ symbol for a manufacturing company. So anyways, there's a lot of issues with femtech analytics. They are a data company from the longevity industry, and they're trying to come into femtech. Maybe they'll work it out. I don't know. Um, another company that got a lot of publicity that I think is a little dangerous or like I'm waiting to see what happens is uh, Femtech Health. So Femtech Health is a, is a large company that wants to essentially be the marketplace but for women's health, but they acquired companies like Birchbox, which is a subscription makeup service. And, you know, I interviewed their chief medical officer and she said things like, you know, when women feel beautiful, they feel better. And I mean, I get, I get that. But again, when you try to put that next to af I, I, all I can hear is affluent white woman putting on lipstick, feeling more beautiful. And then I hear about black women dying during childbirth because their pain isn't believed. It's just like, what are we valuing here, y'all? Who are we innovating for, really? Um, and making sure that we are mindful of that. Because we can innovate for money. Or we can innovate to save women's lives. And people think that that is not money. But when 50% of uh, babies born in the United States are covered by Medicaid, if you don't have a Medicaid plan in your maternal health business, you're missing half of it. You're missing half of it. So anyways, I have a lot of opinions on that. I could keep rolling on, but let's keep going with what happened this year. And then we're going to talk about predictions for next. So uh, some other things that happened this year, we saw some more attention to emerging markets, such as the Middle East, North Africa, Southeast Asia, and South America. Very excited to see innovation coming out of uh, those regions. We absolutely need to, <laughs> we cannot just keep innovating and bringing solutions to countries and be like, here, here's the solution. And then, you know, that emerging market can't always just quickly adapt the things that we could quickly adapt in the United States or in Europe. Um, innovation probably needs to come from within those, those regions. And so I'm really happy to see some awesome, awesome innovators in these emerging markets, creating solutions for women in those areas. Um, we saw this year some, um, let's say, uh, shaking up of media and femtech. So we still have so much further to go in terms of us being able to do advertisements um, in the media about women's health, but we got some successes. So previously Dame Products, a sexual wellness company, they were a band from doing advertisements in New York City subway. Um, but their ads, because they were suggesting sexual things, 
Um, meanwhile, Ro uh, had these phallic looking objects saying, get harder, your money back. But that was allowed. And so Dame Products actually sued the New York City subway and they won. They won. And so we, you, if you're in New York City, please look on the subway for Dame Products. You will see their ads now up and proud. And that is awesome. Facebook is also under fire. So uh, some lobbyists from DC actually reached out, asked if they could use our landscape report we published in July in their lawsuit against Facebook in terms of their monopolizing of the types of content and ads that get put out there. So I'm really excited to see what might happen there. Um, and then, you know, for uh, other parts of media, we still need a lot of help. We still need a lot of work. But um, I think that people are, are upset enough. And I, I am starting to see commercials that are, uh, I think this year was like the first year I actually saw like red liquid for a uh, pad commercial, which our blood is red. <laughs> Women aren't alien green bleeders. Like why can't we, why didn't we have red liquid on these ads before? But better late than never, I suppose. Um, another big thing we saw this year was how vaccines affected women's menstrual cycles. So the vaccine for COVID-19 came out this year. And um, did you know that in the clinical trials, they have all this paperwork, they have all these questionnaires, and a question that did not exist in the clinical trials for the COVID-19 vaccine was, were there any changes to your menstrual cycle? Now this, your menstrual cycle is like a vital sign for women, a literal vital sign. When we go to the doctors, we get asked, when was the date of your last period? So obviously physicians see this as a vital sign, as an important notice for them. Yet in clinical trials, they didn't have that question. And so when the vaccines came out to the public, there were so many women reporting that their menstrual flow had gotten heavier or that they skipped a period or just changes in their menstrual cycle. Um, and it was attributed back to the vaccine and more research needs to be done as to why and how that was happening. But the fact that the clinical trials didn't pick that up beforehand is insane. Um, another interesting thing about the vaccines and clinical trials was um, the very, very, very low rate of blood clots from the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Um, the, <laughs> the rate for blood clots from birth control pills is like 10 X that of the vaccine yet all of Europe was banning the vaccine until further notice. Um, I just, I just see this as, um, what, uh, negative consequences on female health exist that we're accepting of, but yet if it has a chance of affecting men, like things get shut down, unacceptable. Um, so the vaccine was once again, a really, really big megaphone magnifying glass on the, the, the inequalities in male and female health. In fact, there was even a graph I saw this year. I tweeted it out. It was one of my most retweeted tweets, which was a graph showing uh, diseases. And it had how um, intensely that disease impacts somebody's life, so effect on their life. And then how much grant funding from the U.S. government was available for that disease. And so these are dots on a, on a, on a graph here. And there is a trend line right in the middle. And now the diseases that were above that line were diseases that were overfunded or had excess funding based in comparison to um, how severe it was on their actual lifestyle, how, how intense the disease was on the individual. The diseases above the line, so overfunded, male diseases. The diseases on the line, 
were dual gender diseases or dual sex diseases. And the diseases under the line were female diseases. The only female disease that disproportionately affects women that was above the line was breast cancer. Besides that, women's health is so wildly underfunded. It's statistically significant. This isn't like us just talking about this because we want more. It's like we need something. (laughs) Um, We'll talk more about that later in terms of government. But those are some of the bigger things that happened this year. Oh, and abortion. We got to talk about abortion. So abortion rights in the United States are under attack. Um, there's currently now a law in the, in Texas that, uh, allows anybody, not even just Texans, anybody, whoever, any individual, if they want to sue a woman for getting a, an abortion, they can get up to $10,000. They can sue her Uber driver that brought her there. They can sue her mother that brought her there. They can sue the doctor that performed it. The receptionist that in took her in at the door. Um, the, it's, it's insane that um, the Supreme Court is holding holding this up because the fact that it's being um, persecuted by other citizens rather than the government means it doesn't necessarily conflict with our rights of the Constitution that the government can't, you know, forbid you to get an abortion. But this is like some loophole and it's at six weeks. Um, it's, it's just insane. It's so insane. I, um, I'm actually going to do a whole abortion episode cause it's, uh, it's heavy. There's also stuff coming out of Mississippi, this heartbeat bill. Oh, we need to talk and do more about abortion. So stay tuned. I don't want to hijack this whole episode about abortion, but it is so important. One in three women in the world have an abortion in their life. The fact that we have whole states the size of France <laughs> not allowing abortion to happen, like it's, I, I can't, I just can't. Okay, y'all. So um, last year I predicted that there was going to be less events about what is femtech in more functional workshops for the industry. And that is absolutely what happened. Very happy to have seen that happen. Um, I so- thought that there would be more funds that showed up and sure enough, We saw Coyote Ventures form. We saw Fem Health Ventures form. We saw Artemis Women's Health form and also Goddess Gaia Ventures out of London. It's a new fund you're going to learn more about soon. So definitely new funds forming. I think we're up to like eight Femtech funds now. Um, I predicted that we'd see more women getting into angel investing, specifically into Femtech. And sure enough, there are these female angel networks that are just funding and doing the hard work of due diligencing and investing in femtech, early stage femtech. So some of these angel groups are BAMA, Business Angel Minority Association, Astia Angels, Golden Seeds, and Alma Angels. Those are the some that uh, I really stuck out to me as doing really great work in investing in femtech. Um, Let me see here. I did predict last year that we would see more alternative materials for tampons and pads this year in 2021. It did not come to fruition. I think it's still in uh, a lot of these companies are still in R&D. And so um, maybe next year we'll start to see hemp-based tampons. Uh, There's also people doing research on seaweed-based tampons. So I think alternative materials I thought it would happen this year, didn't yet. So maybe next year we'll start to see these alternative materials. Um, We did did see changes in uh, uh, pads and tampons, such as Day, D-A-Y-E. They have CBD-infused tampons that are now live in the United States as well as Europe. 
Um, we also saw sustainability pads. So things that you can flush or uh, guarantee to, you know, uh, disintegrate and not fill up landfills. So some of those companies include Planera, Femly, uh, and Viv for your V. So uh, really looking into more like bamboo based um, or uh, ones that are able to kind of disintegrate in water, you can flush them. So really interesting to see how, uh, Mother Earth and sustainability and climate change and that kind of money and innovation and mindset is also coming into women's health. Really exciting. Um, some of the biggest influencers for 2021, in my opinion, by the way, I know I'm not going to hit every major event or milestone that happened in this year. I also know that I'm going to miss people that were major influencers. And I apologize in advance, but this is just uh, a quick overview. So let me name drop some people that I just, as soon as I thought, who's an influencer this year, they, they just came up in my mind so strongly. So we got Cindy Gallup. She made the list last year. She is making the list again this year. This lady cannot be stopped. Cindy Gallup is a boss ass babe. Uh, she's the founder of Make Love, Not Porn. And she just continues to not give an F about what the patriarchy thinks. And she continues to do her. And what doing her looks like is accepting herself and her, her body and her choices and her personality and her values and just sharing it and empowering other women to do the same. And I just think she, um, I love how unapologetic she is for being herself. I so appreciate that as somebody who tries to be as authentic and unapologetic about that as possible. Um, I really love Cindy Gallup's attitude. The next is uh, Francis Tang, the founder of Awkward Essentials, previously come and gone. Um, I told y'all that her company was a company to watch last year. Well, sure enough, this year, she just totally nailed it. I mean, the expansion and sales of Awkward Essentials, they even launched a secondary product this year. I'm, oh, you got to check out Awkward Essentials. Francis Tang, you are totally birthing it influencer in of the year. Uh, and so another one is Dr. Lindsay Harper, the founder of Rosie, the sexual uh, wellness app. Dr. Lindsay Harper is just, again, another powerhouse. She closed a big round of funding this year. She's growing, she's expanding so many users on her app, and she's really changing the game of mixing medicine and mindfulness and porn and erotica with medical like sexual dysfunction and um, arousal disorders. So I'm it's really, really cool that it's not just like she's she didn't launch a porn site, but she's using erotica um, along with her medical background to really enhance women's sexual life. I love it. Lindsay, you're awesome. Um, another influencers are Christina and Wendy. Uh, Christina Lungberg and Wendy Anderson, they are the case for her, the women who run the case for her. And, you know, they have been in the game for years. They, I feel like they might have been a little bit backstage. Um, maybe they still kind of are. They're a little bit backstage, but they these women are pulling strings that you wouldn't even know if you're in femtech and you don't know them that's you're in your you need to know them christina wendy the case for her they are truly putting money where their mouth is they invest their own money and they're putting up big dollars for startups for organizations and donations um and i love it because there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions in this industry um a lot of us are broke so it's not that we're not trying to give back but there's a bunch of us that have money um, not, not me, but not yet, not yet manifesting, but, um, 
you know, there's a lot of people in our industry who do have money that aren't putting up as much as Christina and Wendy. And I just want to acknowledge that. Um, and they are really putting money up for innovative solutions that are changing the game for women's health and not just the, the trendy, newest, cool, whatever techie thing. Um, they're really doing gr- grassroots organizations and I, I love it. So Christina and Wendy, y'all are awesome. Um, another influencer of the year, Sandra Pelletier, the CEO of Evofem Biosciences. She is just um, out there stomping pavement, talking about alternatives for um, contraception for women. So she, her product, Evofem, they launched Fexi. Fexi is a pH modulating um, contraception, single use for women, so they don't have to take hormones every day. Currently, <laughs> P non-hormonal contraceptions aren't covered by the Affordable Care Act in the United States. And so she is actually uh, really lobbying and putting things up in the government that is going to affect a lot of us as we all try to get coverage for different femtech and different women's health innovations that weren't thought of 10 years ago when the bills were created, but now are here and they need coverage. Women do need the coverage. So go, Sandra. Go, go, go. You're awesome. Next is Sabrina Johnson. She's with Dare Biosciences, another just badass woman out there stomping pavement, making changes, saying that women deserve better. Um, Another woman I really have come to love so much is Susan Stover. Susan Stover is uh, a woman who met with me during Founder Hours either really early this year and potentially even 2020. Um, She said, I'm in marketing, but I want to be in femtech. And I said, okay, you should like do some like one-off contract work and then maybe find a startup to work with. And sure enough, she did everything I said, and now she is a main player in Femtech. So Susan, you've done it. You've showed up, you've made something of yourself. And I love recommending anyone to you that needs content or marketing strategy. You're awesome, Susan. And she runs our, uh, along with Karen Wells, she runs our our Femtech book club. Uh, Another influencer is Kate Ryder from Maven. So Kate, you've probably seen her headshot and <laughs> when they hit a billion dollar valuation for Maven Clinic this year, um, you know, she's going to have reddish hair and she's got that light blue blazer. If you've seen it, you know exactly what headshot I'm talking about. Um, she's obviously super busy. So a lot of these influencers I see all over the place at a lot of things. She's not so much there, but she <laughs> that's because she's out like slaying lions y'all like she's out there literally with the biggest players the biggest uh private equity firms and the biggest influencers she she's doing really hard work and um paving a path that doesn't it is um a path that has been walked but it is not a well-established trail yet so um very much a trailblazer uh there are a few other billion dollar companies exited and current, you know, active companies in women's health, but not many. And so she's out there with her machete, cutting it down, leading the way for this giant army of femtech companies coming up, coming up. So go Kate, you're awesome. Uh, and the last influencer for the year I'd like to mention is Sue Wern Core. So if you know Sue Wern, she was an intern for Femtech Focus. She was in our first employee, and now she's actually going to Malaysia to work at 500 Startups. And I could not be more proud of this woman. She was my left-hand woman. I, I, If you came to anything Femtech Focus, you know Sue Wern. She's incredible. 
she knows the industry. She's led the industry. She has that energy. She has that passion. She has the humility, so much humility. Um, and soon we're in, I'm going to miss her dearly at Femtech Focus, but I'm so proud to see what she's going to do. She's going to bring Femtech around the world. I already know it. All right. So whoo, let's talk about conferences. So there was a lot of conferences this year. We started to see people in person. Crazy. Um, some conferences that have been going on previously in 2020 that still stayed really strong in 2021, if not, they grew, was FemFest run by Fermata out of Japan and also HitLab. HitLab, um, they do like a twice a year pitch competition and they are just, they're really the leaders in it. There's nobody else that are doing that big of a pitch competition. They have, you know, 400 attendees at their events. So hit lab, you're doing something right. Keep it up. Fantastic work. Um, some new ones that we saw this year, Women's Health Innovation Summit by Kasako Research. Um, last year they had it too, but this year where they had their first in-person one and they're also launching um, subsection. So instead of all of women's health, well, in addition to an all of women's health event, they're also doing next year uh, smaller ones like reproductive health and sexual health. So um, excited to see what they do. I did feel like their event was a little corporate and very expensive. They wouldn't let my interns come for free that were students local to Boston. Uh, a lot of founders couldn't get discounts and it's really expensive. And so one of the things I'm gonna talk about is what these conferences need. And uh, one of the things is more founder-friendly options. Uh, some other conferences that happened this year for the first time, LSX Femtech Leaders out of the UK, that was a good event. Uh, Expectives Health Women's Health Business Conference. This one was held in Boston. It was really awesome. I was essentially one of the only innovators <laughs> or investors there. Everyone was actually um, hospital directors, nurses, uh, people that were coming from the billing offices of hospitals and clinic centers. So um, I'm really excited to support that conference next year because I think that we need to get founders and investors in that room because these hospital directors and medical school directors were talking about like billing codes and how to get reimbursed for services or devices or tests. And I was like, oh my God, this is literally what founders talk about. <laughs> we need to have everyone in the room to talk about this together. Um, so some things I think conferences need more founder-friendly options. So either that means like really, really, really cheap to zero registration fee. Um, group like housing, I'm thinking about what if we got a giant you know, Airbnb or several giant Airbnbs and a lot said, Hey, founders, here's some Airbnbs. And here's a list of other founders that want to split the bill. Um, because that would be a lot cheaper for them than they could carpool to the hotel rather than everyone getting individual places or hotel rooms that just racks it up so high. Um, we need more awards. Oh my God. We need more awards. Every one of these conferences should have awards. Just awards, awards, awards. So, you know, I recently was thinking about this because I redid my resume recently and I was looking at my awards and it looks like I essentially died in March of 2020 because since then I've gotten nothing. Now, I'm not sitting here saying I need more awards in my life or whatever, but what I'm saying is that there's a trend that I was in academia, right, as a student, and, you know, academia gives out awards, undergrad, and then graduate, 
And then I became a startup founder of Faramore, my DNA-based dating app. And there was a whole bunch of like local business awards or tech awards, um, cool, whatever. Then I became uh, an investor and led this Houston branch. And I got awards for like being a mentor and being an influencer and giving back and being impactful and blah, blah, blah. And then I joined, got into Femtech and we got nothing. We got nothing. Now we are literally building this industry. So I think it's fine, but it's, it's a gap. It's a huge gap. Um, startups don't have things to share enough on uh, LinkedIn. Individuals like myself or people who are trying to get into Femtech don't have any like certificates of excellence in women's health innovation, right? We don't have these things. We really need to have these things. Um, I think Femtech Focus will start doing awards next year as well, maybe on just like a monthly basis. Uh, we should give out awards for all my influencers I just listed. We should even do retrospective from last year. Uh, we need more awards and recognition. And now there was some awards given out. So HitLab, y'all did a great job this year. Um, there was also the Women's Health Innovation Summit by Kisako Research. They had a pitch competition. Now I have a little quarrel with this because they had a pitch competition with 10 companies ranging from pre-seed, meaning they didn't even have a product yet, all the way to a mezzanine stage funding company. Fun mezzanine is like private equity. Like they're getting ready to IPO type of deal. And it was a company that is a, a new type of mammogram that uses 3D technology and gels. And they have all these badass 3D swirling breasts on the slides. And it was very, very impressive, right? Compared to someone whose app is just launched and they have an MVP, right? But when you put these all on stage, what happened was the audience got to vote and choose and they chose the breast one because it was so impressive and so great. That person first, and uh, in addition, that founder was male. So we have a male founder of a well-funded, well-established, very successful company winning a little certificate at a conference for like the best innovation of the year or some shit like that. I was so upset. I was so upset because the sexual health companies, the pre-seed companies, the female founders that are trying to fundraise for the first time, they're the ones who need to share that on LinkedIn. I don't even know if that guy even shared it. Why, why would he? It would. It doesn't mean nothing, right? That private equity is not going to be influenced by that. But angels, angels and small VC firms may be influenced by that and then decide to invest in a company because of it. So um, I actually went to that founder and told him that when they announced him as winner, he should actually give it up and give it to somebody else. And he laughed. He laughed and he walked away from me and he didn't do it. He accepted it and sat down. Shame on him. Um, I think there needs, needs to be changes there. That's to me, it was unacceptable. Um, we need more awards and please just don't give them to all the men and all of the well-established companies. Okay. Please give these awards to the taboo ones, abortion, sexual health, um, you know, mental health, uh, nutrition, chronic illness. We don't need no, like, you know what? Maybe we even make categories. I'm brainstorming right now live with y'all. Comment, please. <laughs> Maybe we can do like, uh, you know, fertility awards. And so therefore we're not having like general awards being all filled with menstruation and fertility, right? Instead, maybe we have awards within each subsection. So we know they're all getting recognized. Anyways, we need more awards. Um, 
Let's talk about investments. So what happened in investments this year? So we have new funds. As I said, Coyote Ventures, Seed Stage, US-based fund. Uh, Artemis Women's Health is out of Europe. It's founded by a bunch of uh, previous Novartis executives. They're investing in growth stage therapeutic companies. Fem Health Ventures, uh, Manisha, we, they are launching a $50 million US-based um, healthcare fund for women. So they're investing in therapeutics, diagnostics, uh, and medical devices. And then Amboy Street Ventures. Amboy Street is not necessarily new. Uh, I think it was previously called Reformation Ventures by Carly. Uh, but Carly then joined up with Healthy Pleasure Group out of London, and they uh, renamed the venture to Amboy Street Ventures. And they're doing really well investing in sexual health and, and yeah, sexual health. So some changes in other uh, funding entities. Republic is a crowdfunding platform. They are total game changer for femtech early stage investing. Um, there have been several sex tech companies that have raised a lot of money on Republic because it's about the public's money and not uh, the capitalistic venture capital, you know, vice clause, vice clause being like, we don't invest in sex or drugs or alcohol because our banks may not like that. Instead, when you give it to the public, the public's money is going to talk. And so Femtech has done really well in crowdfunding platforms such as Republic. So um, we did interview um, Republic on our Femtech Focus podcast. So listen to that episode. Uh, another uh, person that has entered the game that's really uh, putting money up is Crescent Ridge Partners. It's managed by Maria Gonzalez Blanc. Um, they came on the scene and they are putting their money where their mouth is. They are like, I met her. I met Maria again very early this year, end of last year. And she said, yeah, we want to make femtech investments. And man, have they. They've done a great job. So Crescent Ridge Partners, welcome to the femtech world. You're amazing. Um, let's talk about, we got 15 more minutes. All right. All right. So talk about femtech organizations. Do we have some new ones this year? So again, this is awesome, but also a little risky because some of these coming on the scene, I'm not sure they know what they're talking about. So we got, um, Femtech Analytics. Again, I am not the biggest fan. You've seen it online, on LinkedIn. You've heard me. I don't need to talk about it no more. Um, you know, for me, I just, I, I think that data is so important. It's so precious. Data influences money. It influences the world. It influences politics, everything. And if you're going to put out shit data or data that's not accurate, you're, you're really hurting organizations. And I will say like Femtech Focus that spends un, ungodly amounts of time manually entering and verifying every data point that we publish or put on our website. So um, there's that. Some other organizations this year that are ooh, super awesome, Nogafem. Nogafem is a nonprofit out of Israel. They are really taking more of the, um, the science route. So they had conferences this year where they had scientists and doctors presenting on their research in women's health. I love that. I feel like all these femtech organizations are finding their niche and like, what are they really good at? So we got Femtech Insiders, the newsletter, you got Femtech Collective is Australia, uh, Fermata is Southeast Asia and East Asia. 
You got uh, women of wearables, Lon they're London-based and they're focused on wearables, but also Femtech. Femtech Focus, we are data-driven. Uh, we're a media company. We have our podcasts. We have a virtual community, but definitely more so on the market research part of it. So everyone's finding their niche. Noga Fem, Israeli-based, a lot of scientists. I love it. Um, another one is Tech for Ava is a new accelerator. It's in Switzerland. They, um, I have talked about accelerators on here before. For Femtech Labs, looking at you, bringing that up in a second. But uh, Tech for Ava, uh, they're not charging founders equity or money. They have a sponsor. So most accelerators need to be funded either by very rich individual or by corporations. So they're uh, funded by a corporation, a health plan or health insurance company out of um, Switzerland. They have a nine-month program, really robust, really supportive uh, I love the companies they chose. They are, uh, their team is collaborative, informed, uh, supportive. So really love Tech for Ava. Great program, great events, great all around. Love it. Um, another one that's actually launching next year, Station F. So Station F is not new. It's a large incubator co-working space in Paris, France, but they are launching a, um, a femtech specific program for a few femtech companies to participate in. Uh, the only fee is the monthly rent essentially to that center. So I think that's fine. Um, and I think that's supportive of founders and I'm really excited to see what they do. It's new. So we'll see. Um, some other changes to other organizations that currently exist. We got Fermata expanding. So Fermata last year launched a um, in-person store in Tokyo for Femtech. So cool. They also are expanding to the Philippines. So they're really expanding Southeast Asia. Excuse me. Whew. Not COVID, promise. Um, <laughs> uh, another change in organizations, Menstrual Health Hub launched Madami, which is um, less of a nonprofit map of all the menstrual health products and services in the world and more of a consulting firm because we can promote all of the small nonprofits working. But if we really want change, we need Unilever, uh, Reckitt, uh, Johnson & Johnson, uh, PNG hiring companies like Femtech Focus or Madami to get inside internal and say, hey, you've been thinking about vaginas a little bit wrong. All right. And you've been thinking about sustainability a little bit wrong. And we need to come in and we really how to need to push some core values in corporations in order to um, help them innovate for things women need and want. So that was one change that happened this year. Uh, Femtech Labs. So they're still going strong. They're on their third cohort. And uh, I personally think they're taking way too much equity from founders. Um, so they're taking 5% equity. To give you uh, some comparable here, Techstars, which is global, huge, well-known, well-established, well-respected. Uh, Techstars gives founders an investment of $150,000 in exchange for 7% equity, 150,000 Techstars name, Techstars program, Techstars network, 7%, Femtech Labs, 10 weeks, virtual, not well-established, really small network, no money, 5% equity. I, I just, it doesn't make sense to me as an investor. I'm going to be so upset when I see founders who gave away 5% equity. So 
I mean, founders are signing up. I don't know. I don't know. Um, if a founder comes to me, I'm going to tell them not to give up 5% equity like that. But um, they, the reason I'm bringing this up is that they also launched Femtech Live. It's a like content um, platform for Femtech Labs. So we'll see. Everyone's ebbing and flowing and growing. Femtech Focus was really different December 2020 or March 2020. And now, and you know, this time next year, it's going to be super different again. And I'm going to look back and I probably myself would be like, why the hell did we do that? Why would I waste my time or money and thought on something that we did at Femtech Focus? We're all, we're all startups. Even if we're supporting startups, we're startups too. Femtech Focus is a startup. Femtech Labs is a startup. Mandami is a startup, right? So we're all in this. We're all trying to learn, but I am very, very bullish on protecting founders and making sure that they can be successful. So when it doesn't look founder friendly, I'm going to say something. Uh, some corporations that we saw this year really step up and support Femtech. Bayer Health, Bayer really stepped up. They were sponsoring events. They spoke on our podcast. They they really want to do more in women's health. And I think they're putting their money and their face where the mouth is. Well, that didn't really make sense, but you know what I mean? They're showing up. <laughs> uh, another corporation is Goodwin Law. They actually launched a whole women's health law um, department within their law firm. So cool. Uh, Chris Brown, Delphine O'Rourke, they are amazing lawyers. They're running that and um, Goodwin Law, putting their money where their mouth is, really stepping up for women's health. If you need a lawyer and you need to talk to your lawyer about vulvas, Goodwin Law is the law firm that is going to support you in that. Um, another one is Witham. Witham is a very large accounting firm. So they support um, all your finances and accounting and business modeling and, you know, taxes and all that stuff. So Witham really putting their money where the mouth is, supporting all of the events, wanting to learn more about Femtech, putting resources out there for free for founders, really, really, really doing the hard work. So Witham, you're awesome. And last but not least, in terms of corporations stepping up, and I know I might be missing some, but hey, here are the ones that are really, really stood out to me. Organon. So Organon was part of Merck. Merck acquired Lydia Health, um, which is a maternal health startup, but it exited. And they Merck decided to spin that out into another uh, a wholly owned subsidiary of Merck called Organon. Organon has made it a, several other acquisitions this year. They've held pitch competitions. They funded uh, events. They are hiring. And it's the first true like biopharma company that's only focused on women's health. And I think that's very exciting. Um, they're asking a lot of questions. They're bringing in a lot of experts. I love that. They're not trying to pretend like they already know everything and they know exactly what to do. I'm also really excited that they're not trying to just create stuff internally. They know that people, innovators and solutions are already out there. They just need to be acquired. Um, and we're going to see a lot of acquisitions coming up. I'm telling you, it is uh, our chart of acquisitions over the last 30 years. It is, it's like the biggest hockey stick you've ever seen in your life. Um, all right, y'all, we got to keep going here. So um, hold on, let me drink some water. Startups. Mm. Ah, okay. Startups. Some exited exits that happened in 2021. There was at least 15, potentially more. 
for a total of 106 exits in Femtech in the last 30 years. Um, more than 50% of our exits have happened in the last five years. So um, it's, it's like I said, hockey stick, man, it's been really, really low. And then over the last five years, it's just like crazy. Every year we're getting, you know, 12 to 17 exits. And I think that that is just going to grow to next year. I'm going to go ahead on the record and say, I think at least 25 exits in Femtech for 2022. Hold me to that. <laughs> uh, some top exits that happened this year, Alidia Health acquired by Merck, spun off into Organon for $240 million. That was a 10X return um, in venture uh, two to three X. Not very exciting. You need a minimal of uh, like five to six X to really make it like a, a really good exit. So 10X is like, nice really really nice that's a very healthy successful exit people got money people got paid a okay so lydia health 10x uh return on that there was another 10x modern fertility was purchased by roe for 225 million another 10x and what do i mean by 10x okay so uh essentially 225 million take what is uh 10% of that it's 22.5 million. That's how much essentially give or take modern fertility fundraised before they were acquired. So they fundraised about $22 million and they sold for $225 million. So that's why, that's why I mean by a 10 X return. So everyone who had equity got 10 X back, um, give or take, I'm very simplifying this. I know, but for those who don't know what I'm talking about, that's, that's just some overview. Another one is uh, we had an IPO of Femesis. Uh, their episode just aired last week. So Femesis is uh, doing a lot of things in the fallopian tubes with fertility and ovarian cancer. So uh, Femesis IPO'd in June. Um, Ovia Health was acquired by LabCorp. That's an interesting one because we're starting to see people we didn't think as femtech acquirers becoming femtech acquirers like LabCorp. Um, Eucora, Eucora was on our show as well. It's, uh, um, essentially a, a CPG company helping women with chronic UTIs. So they have different like, uh, fizzies for your drink and like biofilm pills. And, um, I love their products. I love their little fizzy drink. It's tastes delicious and it keeps you healthier urinary tract clean. Uh, Eucora was acquired by Pharmate for Pharmavite, Pharmavite. <laughs> Um, and then last but not least, another top exit this year was Well Nested, acquired by Mombox. I'm bringing this one up because these are both startups. These is not like Well Nested wasn't acquired by Johnson Johnson, right? It was another startup just a little further ahead, acquiring a, a startup that was a little bit newer, Well Nested. Um, we're going to see a lot of these um, horizontal acquisitions, what is what I'd call it, because the PNGs and the Unilevers and the Reckets of the world can't acquire all of us. Um, and there's going to, and we also need to build products that have multiple solutions and tools and features. And I don't think that startups are able to fundraise enough money at early stage femtech in order to build out all these solutions and features. So instead they're able to build out one really good feature or one really good tool or one really good solution. And then what happens is if it gets good enough, then instead of building internally new features, they look at who just closed a, a, a seed round of funding um, and they have a tool that that company really needs and they're going to acquire them. So I think we're going to see a lot of 
two to three-year-old companies get acquired by four to five-year-old companies, um, they're still going to be good exits because they haven't fundraised a lot pri prior to the exit. And I think that this is um, much smarter, especially aqua hire, if you're actually acquiring the company and keeping the team internally, than spending R&D money on trying to create it and then compete. So a lot of horizontal acquisitions um, going to happen, I think. Um, startups that shined in 2021. Again, this isn't all of them, but these are some that really stood out to me. Hera Biotech by Summer Babaric, uh, diagnostic for endometriosis, the first uh, functional one that takes uh, sample from the uterine lining, does flow cytometry, gene expression, all my favorite nerdy things. Um, Hera Biotech really shined this year. Another one is Gabby by Caitlin Christine. Uh, both of these, by the way, almost all of these companies have been that I'm going to say have been on the show. So if you're like, oh, that's interesting, go look it up. Um, so Gabby, again, is the name of the company. The founder is Caitlin Christine. Gabby is a digital health app that helps predict women's risk of breast cancer. She's taking a very B2B model. So having employers comp pay for this service to be offered to their female employees. I love that. I'm going to talk about that business model a little bit more in my predictions. Um, startups that shined, High Ivy, pelvic floor health medical device. Another one, Health in Her Hue. It's a directory of Black physicians for Black patients to find. Um, they have, science has shown that Black individuals um, are healthier when they have a Black physician. Um, and, you know, racism is absolutely real in our healthcare system to the point that it affects health. Um, so Health in Her Hue, really, really, it's it's kind of basic, right? Like a Yelp, like a directory, right? But it didn't exist before. And we're seeing them grow and fundraise and be successful and be acknowledged. And I'm really excited about, about that company. Another one is Kira Health. Uh, they used to be called Clit Health. They're now Kira Health. They're invested in by people like Serena Williams. Um, they also are doing culturally competent healthcare for women that are not just affluent white women. So love them, love Kira Health. Another one is Prove, P-R-O-O-V, Prove. They are really the leaders in at-home fertility testing, um, specifically with progesterone. Uh, I recently interviewed the founder, Amy, that it's going to come out, I think, in a week or two. So stay tuned for that one. But very big uh, company. They closed a lot of funding this year. They're making hires. They got patents. It's it, They're doing awesome. Very proud of them. Another startup that shined was Ember Labs. It's a uh, wearable bracelet that helps modulate your uh, temperature. So it helps women in menopause. They have an amazing sales, amazing sales, international sales. Uh, Liz, the, found, the CEO, she's incredible. Um, Ember Labs, really big on the scene this year. Uh, and a last but not least startup that shined this year was Electra Health, a telehealth service for women in menopause. Uh, startups to watch for 2022, Hormona. It's a at-home hormone test that wants to do, they want to do like um, kind of like a daily hormone test to try to learn more about women's fluctuations. This is not just for fertility, it's for her health, right? Like maybe women can figure out that they get their migraine or um, stomach pains or whatever based on where they are in their hormone cycle. So really interested to see what they do. Another startup to watch, and they're out of um, the UK. 
Lactamo is the next one. Lactamo is out of Australia. It's this little massage ball that helps women with uh, lactation. I think, again, my favorite things are like basic, <laughs> basic, but like, why doesn't this exist yet? So Lactamo, another one that you should watch out for is Truly. Truly, uh, she is actually out of the Middle East and um, the founder, and they are creating a menstrual pad that may be able to do lab tests within the menstrual pad. Super cool. Very high tech. Very cool. Definitely not your basic. Um, another going back to basics, Ant Flow. Ant Flow, uh, Claire Coder, one of my favorite episodes of 2021 by far. Definitely listen to the episode. Ant Flow provides free menstrual products in restrooms at schools and uh bars and restaurants. And I mean, the you gotta listen to the episode because I can I could rattle on about how she's literally changing women's lives by providing free pads and tampons because they showed that um, when you have ant flow in schools, girls actually attend school 1.5 days more than schools that don't have ant flow, meaning when girls in the United States are missing school because they don't have access to menstrual products. So this is really important and it's cheaper for schools to offer it for free than to have those old metal boxes and have some janitor, like take the coins out. Like, no other startups to watch for 2022. Oh, her healthy Q, her healthy Q is another one. Um, hey Jane, actually, I really need to tell you all a little bit about these. All right, so O School is sexual wellness. Um, they're really doing a lot of market research and selling to larger sexual wellness companies about you know customer demographics. Her healthy Q uh, brings specific uh, instruments, medical devices, and diagnostics from, you know, affluent countries like uh, the United States. And when um, an office gets a new mammogram machine, they usually just throw the other one out. So her healthy cue is actually bringing those equipment to emerging markets, uh, let's say like Puerto Rico or um, the Middle East, North Africa, Southeast Asia, and bringing it to communities that have never even had one. And now, so this is revolutionary for them. The next company is Hey Jane. It's a telehealth abortion clinic. Whew. Hey Jane, watch out. They're going to explode next year. I'm pretty sure. Another one is Lynn Health. It's a digital health app for chronic pain, disproportionately affecting women. Last but not least, Funkit Wellness. It's a seed company. So they use natural plants to help modulate women's hormone in our health, including menstrual cycles and sexual wellness and menopause. Um, what areas in femtech have I seen the most innovation this year? I would say pelvic floor training, diagnostics for endometriosis and ovarian cancer, and maternal remote monitoring. So biorhythm, Nuvo, baby scripts, remote maternal monitoring. Uh, areas I think that still need help, abortion, abortion. Can I say it any more times, y'all? Uh, mental health. So I'm not talking general mental health. I am, but I'm, I really am what I'm talking about is specific, like mental health support for women with miscarriages. Uh, I know of one company kind of addressing that, and that's Parla. Um, mental health uh, tech for postpartum, uh, for PTSD, eating disorders. There's one company, Equip, that is working on eating disorders, but we, we got to have more. This These problems are so big. We need multiple solutions. Um, the women, women's health, uh, of refugees, 
refugees. We we need to learn about what's happening to women's health in Afghanistan. And we need to do something. We need to support these women or women that are becoming refugees. Like what about their medical records? Do they even have them? Like, how are they going to transfer it? How do they know what they need? How are they going to get contraception when they're waiting? How are they going to be safe? How are they going to regulate their menstrual cycle or have menstrual products? Or, you know, I just, there's so, that's to me is like a big black box and I want to learn more about it. Refugees, women's health. But um, I, so we need to do more. We need to learn more. We need to do more. Um, and then postpartum care. It's a big thing that I think a lot of people are talking about pretty consistently. Hey, I have all these checkups. I have my baby and my next checkup is until six weeks after, but I have stitches in my vagina for God's sake, milk coming out of my breasts. I haven't slept in six weeks, but yet I get one, one appointment in six weeks. Like we, I think everyone recognizes that postpartum care for the mom is so important. Um, all right, y'all, I'm on my last little section here. These are my predictions for 2022. I think we're going to have more remote monitoring technology. So we've seen it with maternal health. So monitoring a pregnant woman, she doesn't have to come in as often, but what are other remote monitoring things for women's health that we can um, incorporate into our electronic medical records into telehealth appointments. So remote monitoring that also kind of falls into my next prediction, which is convenience and comfort. The pandemic, you know, I have some opinions about the whole new normal phrasing and stuff, right? Because I, there's a lot of parts of this. I don't want to be normal, like isolation and fear and division and a lack of belief in science. But um, so there's things I don't want to be normal forever, but there are things that I think are pretty cool and I hope to stay around. And I think this will stay around, which is women are prioritizing convenience and comfort. If I can't schedule the appointment in an app, if I can't do the appoint, doctor's appointment through my computer, if I can't get my pills mailed to my mailbox, if I, you know, can't, you know, wear my period panties for all day and not have to change it, like um, convenience and comfort. We're prioritizing convenience and comfort now. And I don't think that's going to go away. Um, another prediction this one's a little risky, but I think next year we're going to hear more about CBD, THC, and psychedelics in women's health. Um, we've seen a lot of CBD this year. I think that um, prohibition of marijuana is ending. Um, I heard that this year and it just hit me hard. Like, oh my God, yeah, we're in a prohibition. Like we're literally living in an era that previously existed with alcohol where people who didn't have alcohol available was prohibited. And people made like backyard ones, right? And that's what we're seeing with marijuana. Well, is what happened with marijuana. But because now we actually have some storefronts, some states allowing it, but even more so after elections this year, more and more states legalized it. So I think that we're going to see more um, marijuana companies that have branding specifically to women. And you may think that that exists already, but I'm telling you, there are a few, if you look up... Um, of course, now I can't think of the name, but there are uh, some weed for women companies that once you see the branding, you're like, oh my God, weed has not been marketed to women before. So um, I think that we're going to see a lot about that because so much of women's health has shown that CBD and THC do, the cannabinoids do support women's health. So we're going to see more there, I think. And psychedelics. Psychedelics is, I think, a thing in all of health and mental health specifically coming about. But I think women's health is um, a unique angle because it helps a lot with PTSD. Uh, and I think that 
so many women have PTSD, especially from sexual assault, um, uh, sexual abuse. The amount of sexual abuse that occurs in the world is, is makes me want to vomit. Um, and I think that potentially psychedelics could be one way women heal. Um, other predictions for upcoming trends. Uh, I think we're going to see uh, kind of a battle royale of continuous hormone monitoring. So we see Eli Health out of Canada, Hormona out of the UK, uh, Feminade out of LA. Uh, these are companies that want to uh, regularly monitor your hormones, either through saliva or urine or blood, and um, try to predict like, hey, based on this, this is why you have cravings for that, or this is why you're not losing weight, or here's your exercise plan. Hey, wild AI, that's a exercise plan specifically for women that takes your menstruation into account. So um, yeah, hormone monitoring, continuous hormone monitoring. I don't know who's going to win. Um, I also don't think their technology will be ready next year, but I think we're going to hear more about it. And honestly, before until their products are in the market and ready, it's going to be a little bit of you know, hype, whoever has the best marketing team. So be wary of that. If you're an investor or someone in the industry, don't just see who gets the most articles. Um, ask, who, is the product actually available? Does it actually work? Okay. Uh, because there's going to be a bunch of people out there saying they can do it. But if it's, if it was that easy, it'd be done already. It's hard. It's really hard. Um, I think one company that does continuous monitoring that's done a really great job is Keg. Keg measures cervical fluid using a small Kegel ball. And, um, you know, I know when they initially launched, there was so many issues with their product and their app, but it was just because no one's ever done that before. They literally made the script on how do you measure cervical fluid, uh, quantitatively graph it out and help a woman to know when she's fertile. Um, but they are doing it now, man. I don't see any more like complaints in their groups anymore in their community groups. People are getting pregnant, staying pregnant, having babies. And um, so I think the same with this hormone monitoring that there's going to be a lot of issues at first, but eventually it's going to become a thing. So let's see what happens. Um, another prediction, merging your hormone cycle with your work and productivity. We saw that this year with the new company called The Agenda. It's an app that actually can sync with your calendar and let you know, uh, based on your hormone cycle, what type of work you should be working on. Should it be introspective, inventory? Should it be sales pitching? Should it be fundraise pitching? Um, what, should it be, uh, you know, team building, or should it be networking all based on your hormone cycle? If you're like, what the hell are you talking about, Britt? Look up the agendas episode. We talk about it. Um, I read a book this year. It was based on the same model. It's called do less. So read that book. I really loved, it. I'm actually reading it again. I, I rarely read books again because I want to do more and new, but I'm reading this one again because it's about hormone cycles, work and productivity. Um, predictions again, I think next year we're going to see less menopause in branding and more 40 plus or hormonal health. We've learned that women don't like to identify with brands that use the word menopause because society has pushed down menopause is such a bad thing as such an end of your life, such a old hat dry vagina, sweaty, blah, you know, like hormonal, no one, menopause is not currently not seen as an amazing, beautiful transition. Maybe one day it will, but currently it's not. And if you want sales saying menopause may not be the right move. So companies like wild W I L E wildwomen.com check out their branding. I think they're setting the stage for what menopause branding will be. It's about being, um, grown women 
It's about being 40 plus. It's about hormone health. Um, it's about empowerment. So I don't think menopause is going to be, uh, a popular branding word. Um, I'm good. I predict that there's going to be more bigger players. So this year, you know, we saw Bayer, but I think we're going to see people like Pfizer and Novartis and, um, other large companies coming in, uh, predict more things about abortion because of politics. Um, and now we also have, Hey Jane, they telehealth abortion. There was, um, because of the pandemic, there was a law changed a little bit saying that women can get, uh, the abortion pill in the mail. And they recently just made that like an official, like not just a pandemic exception, but foregoing. And so I think that's going to change the game for abortion and women. Uh, I predict next year, we're going to see more blockchain and Bitcoin involved in Femtech. I don't know exactly how, but, um, the only blockchain company I know of in Femtech is, uh, eggs chain. They use blockchain to track eggs and sperm in the fertility process. Very cool company. Um, but I think that we're going to, somebody's going to make a Bitcoin for women's health and, uh, it's going to be like vag coin or click coin or something. Uh, and I think that blockchain is going to be used for data privacy, uh, and reimbursing women for companies using their health in data for profit. And they're going to, uh, provide a portion of that profit back to the users and the way they're able to do that anonymously and confidentially 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 <laughs> is through um, blockchain. Obviously I need to wrap this episode up. I'm getting tired. Um, <laughs> a few more predictions for next year. A lot more acquisitions, horizontal ones. So early companies acquiring other early companies, um, copycats, so we're already starting to see some femtech companies being so successful that copycats are rising. So um, I was telling you about Awkward Essentials. They have the drip stick. There's a some people in Australia literally copied everything from branding to marketing to messaging. And, um, you know, lawsuits going to go down. Uh, there are fertility companies creating at-home hormone tests that are inflicting on other people's patents like proves. So we are going to see more copycats. Uh, and if you're an investor, I think that you needing to do the work of asking other people who've been in the industry for longer, like myself or uh, Madami or women of wearables saying, Hey, is this really the first, if you hear someone say, this is the first, this is the only, you need to question that deeply, deeply. And if you're a founder, stop saying you're the only or the first. Um, if you are, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Cause you're probably not um, you could say the most innovative or the, um, most specific or the most precise or whatever, but not the only or the one. Um, I think that more well-established, uh, uh, accelerators are going to launch a femtech cohort. I don't know if it's going to be next year or at least that it's going to launch, but at least I think that they're going to plan it and maybe 2023 it'll go live. Uh, I think it's either going to be plug and play, I don't think it's going to be tech starts or 500 startups, but maybe plug and play. Um, generator could do it. Um, but I think a large accelerator is going to launch a femtech specific cohort. Um, more femtech funds, I believe, will emerge next year. Again, really exciting, but also a little nerve wracking because all of a sudden everyone's like, I want to invest in femtech and I know about it because... 
I listen to Britney's podcast, which I'm <laughs> glad y'all are listening. But uh, I do think that there's a little bit of worry about what people's money is going to go into because they don't know the industry as well as some of us uh, original gangsters in the in the space. Um, a lot more exits, obviously, I think. I think there's going to be more conferences next year. Obviously, those are kind of uh, given. Um, I think that there is, here's my last prediction. I think that the employer model, business model is going to grow. So companies are losing the workforce because they are like, all right, do we keep up this pandemic attitude of like work from home, work when you can, take time off, mental health important, you know, are they going to go back to the grind of corporate life? You need to be in person. You need to come in heels. You need to wear this, do this, act like this, be here then, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think there's this weird um, tug of war with people and employees saying, hey, I like this life. I like working from home. I like setting my own schedule. I'm, if you want me to go back to that, I'm not doing it. I'll go somewhere else, right? Because companies now are, imply, are employing remote workers, Companies that had headquarters are now no headquarters. There's no physical location. Um, so all of this to say, I think femtech solutions, products and solutions are going to be very influential in which corporations recruit and retain their female employees because female employees are going to say, hey, I'm a mom first and employee second or wife second, this third, fourth, fifth, sixth, I'm a worker. Um, uh, I need this, this, and this in order to accept this job. I want this, this, and this in order to stay in this job. Um, and so employers, you know, in their HR departments, they're going to, I think, really come approach Femtech Solutions and say, hey, and in fact, if you want to get ahead of the game, Femtech Solutions startups, please go to these HRs and employers and say, hey, I see that, you know, you have female employees and I'm sure that it, they would really appreciate it if you offered, you know, um, drive freezing breast milk services or uh, mailing their breast milk while they're on travel or lactation suites in the in on the first floor that are really nice and not a broom closet um, or time off for caregiving, um, different things about women's health are like period leave or, um, menopause, uh, you know, just understanding a menopause and solutions for menopause. So I think that that's going to be a really big, uh, game changer for us in terms of revenue, business models, uh, funding growth, all of the things. So whew, here we go. That was Femtech Focus Live, an hour, 20 minutes. I just love to talk about it. I'm not surprised. Um, this has been so much fun. This is recorded. I will play it. It will be an episode on the podcast soon. And I just appreciate y'all tuning in. It was very fun. All right. Have a good new year. Talk to you next year. Bye. Thank you for listening to my end-of-year Femtech review. I hope you learned a lot about what happened this year. Let me know if you think I missed anything major. Also, let me know what you think about my predictions for next year. Femtech Focus has a lot of things in the works, so stay tuned for all of the new activities, events, resources, and initiatives that we will be taking on. Uh, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, give it a review, five stars, also subscribe to our newsletter at femtechfocus.org. All right, that's about it. Now remember, 
Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness. Thank you.